This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Today on the Line Enquirer podcast, Michael Tulip gives his thoughts not only on the Eastern Illinois victory and what we learned about Illinois basketball and its season opener but also the Illini basketball recruiting class. If you go back to last podcast, Derek Piper gave his thoughts pre-signing day, but now that signing day is here and we are recording it on Wednesday, Illinois has officially added three more talented players to the mix. Imani Hansberry, four-star forward out of Maryland, signed. Draven Gibbs Lawhorn, four-star guard out of Indiana, signed. And Zachary Perrine for the second time. Uh, French forward has signed on with Illinois. So Illinois adds three more prospects, and we got a ranking uh, rating on Zachary Perrine. Three-star, the 85 realm, if you want to go by the rating, uh, 213th, I believe he was, in the composite ranking at this point. But Zachary Perrine is ranked, and that means Illinois gets boosted up to the number 17 class in the country, according to the composite rankings, and according to 24-7 Sports, the number 16 class uh, in the country, which is one of the best in the Big Ten as well, of course. So another great class for Brad Underwood, and, and stacking up in the Big Ten, you know, Brad Underwood continues to be one of the top recruiters in the Big Ten. Illinois number four class in the Big Ten behind Maryland. Ohio State has a heck of a class, and so does Michigan State. Michigan State headlined by Xavier Booker, the number three prospect in the country. Uh, Jeremy Fears, number 34 prospect in the country. And Ohio State has three top 50 prospects, three top four top 55 prospects, excuse me. So Chris Holtman's doing a fantastic job recruiting as well. But you continue to see Michigan State, Ohio State, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan with the number 35 class in this uh, class. Not as highly ranked because they don't have as many guys. But Illinois continues to be in that mix. And if you're in that mix and you have a good coaching staff like Illinois does, you're going to win a lot of games, which, of course, Illinois has done under Brad Underwood. And this is now under Brad Underwood Four straight top 25 classes and six of his seven classes at Illinois, which includes Mark Smith, Trent Frazier, DeMonte Williams. Uh, that class is first year where he didn't have a full you know, couple months to, to really recruit that one. He's had six classes in the top 30, and the one that wasn't in the top 30 had Kofi Coburn. So that worked out pretty well. Um, but a very good class. We'll dive into it. Imani Hansberry, skilled, tough forward, uh, can stretch it out a little bit, but really good passer, really tenacious rebounder. Gibbs Allhorn, very gifted scorer who actually gets after it defensively as well. You add that to the mix of Jaden Epps and Sky Clark. You got some good lead guards there. And then Zachary Perrine, 
might take some time to develop and adjust to to the American style, but he's had success uh, in the European realm over there. He's always played against Victor Wimbanyana, the number one pick uh, coming up in the upcoming draft class. So uh, Perrine, I haven't heard from Underwood yet. I'm recording this right before his press conference. I would imagine they're going to try and get him here. That's what we hear. He's trying to get here uh, for the spring semester, and that'd be great for his development uh, as well. So uh, to get these guys into the fold is just another good day for Illinois men's basketball. We'll dive into that with the two. Also on the way in on the Barry Lunny extension, uh, not expecting that to be the only extension announced this week, by the way. I would imagine Brett Bielma will get done uh, Illinois seems to be spreading it out of how they're going to announce all of these. But Ryan Walters, I would imagine, to be done as well. And no, no matter what you think of, of Barry Oney and the red zone issues, uh, and, and he's not perfect so far this year, of course, there's no denying he has been a great addition for Illinois, making a huge impact. Illinois has improved by 4.6 points a game, 83.3 yards per game. I think they could even be better than that if they didn't have such big leads and, and got conservative late in games, which has worked. Um, you're seeing even against a, a team like Michigan State, they can get a lot of yards. They just got to be better in the red zone. And we broke it down with Jay Lehman. That's not all on Lonnie. There's some plays he'd, he'd like back, and, and he said that himself. But he's been a huge improvement and he continues to get better, I think, as the season goes along with figuring out his personnel. And he's just brought a modern twist on a pro-style offense with some of these spread concepts. I love all these concepts. Right? And as you get more talent, you get more familiar uh, with the Big Ten, you get more familiar with your team, I think Lonnie's only going to improve. So this made a lot of sense. He gets a year contract uh, extension added to his current three-year contract, and he'll get a raise of about $125,000, and that'll go up to 825,000 in 2024 and in 2025. So he made 675 this year, he'll make 800,000 uh, in the 2023 season. Uh, and if you can get if you're going to have Walters extended here, which I imagine will happen, doesn't mean he won't leave for a head coaching job. And you get Bielma, I think it's just another huge statement by Josh Whitman that Illinois is not just a flash in the pan. That Josh Whitman's going to do everything he can resources-wise to support this football program so that they can be successful for the long term. And and he had a quote in his statement today that I think really stood out. And I'll be writing a column about this later. Stability and key leadership positions in the Smith Football Center is important to continuing our upward momentum toward and realizing our championship goals. So while everyone from the outside wants to say, Brett Bielma, uh, go to Nebraska or go to Wisconsin again. Uh, I think Brett Bielma doesn't want to do that. I think he really likes his fit at Illinois, really likes the potential. But most importantly, he's got a AD behind him who is going to support the heck out of him. Hey, Josh, I need to fire my offense coordinator and then get another one. Can I get that $750,000? Yeah, sure. Hey, I need to keep my DC. Can we make him a the first million-dollar annual salary coordinator in Illinois history? Yeah, sure. Uh, hey, I need to f- I need helmets. I need better helmets to protect our players. Can I get that? Yeah, sure. Now, I'm sure they have a back and forth about what they can and can't do, all those things. But it seems like Josh Whitman is doing everything. But the, behind a coach who's deserved those things to support him and make sure that Illinois doesn't lose the guy. Isn't that program just a stepping stone? And I think Brett Beal was at the point of his career that he knows when you have that, at a program that has potential, it's long been called the Sleeping Giant. Man, if, if I got an AD behind me that that wants to support me, I have a good recruiting area. I'm in my home state. 
Um, I could be the Barry Alvarez or, or Bill Snyder here. I think it's a good fit. And I think it's going to be a long-term fit, and it seems like it's going to be that. And if you can keep Ryan Walters around for another another extra year or two, we'll see how that plays out. But you you show support with Barry Loney and say, hey, this is our guy. I think it's important going forward, and it's a great time to do it because the next two months of recruiting are really, really important. You have early signing period starts. It's two days, December 21st and the 23rd. Then you have the transfer portal opens early December. December 5th goes through mid-January. And then, of course, you have the, the regular signing period on February 1st. If you can sell the Jair Hill, hey, Ryan Walters is on board for a little while longer. He's going to be your coach. You sell the, the offensive guys. This guy's going to be around for a while. Or you sell to everybody. Brett Bielma's all in on Illinois. That's really important. It's really important to keep that stability so you can try and build off this year so it's not a one-off, right? You don't want this to be the one-off. You keep everybody, you move forward, you keep selling on it, you keep building on it. Josh Whitman knows that. All right, let's talk some hoops. Michael Tulip on the Illinois basketball recruiting class and the Eastern Illinois opener. That's coming up next on the Illinois Enquirer podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, it's time to talk with Michael Tulip, our weekly chat with the former Illini and Wright State guard. And we got plenty to talk about because we actually have a game here, Michael Tulip, after Illinois beats Eastern Illinois. But before we get to that, it is early signing period. Illinois has announced the addition of three players, two four-star prospects, and Imani Hansberry and Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn, as well as an international prospect. Yet again, second signing uh, was Zachary Perrine. So, uh Underwood just stacking classes, man. Um, six of the last seven have been top 30. This one could end up top 25 by the end of it. Uh, and you get two more top 100 prospects. Yeah, I like the fact that, for one, you see a lot of schools sometimes go after the star system, right? Let's just compile as many five stars, four stars, and then once they get on campus, we'll figure out fit. And sometimes that can be a, you know, a fool's errand in a way. And I think – this staff did such a, such a good job of in this particular class going out and addressing uh, not necessarily needs, but who fits our system. We're building this thing. We're, we're trying to, to fine tune this this year. Who can we integrate next year and not feel like we have to reinvent the wheel. So each one of these guys, I think brings something different to the table and we can get into each one of them. But yeah. um, 
I do like the fact that they went out and got guys that you can kind of seamlessly plug into this. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Mike. It's both a talent. It's good, two four-star guys, but also you know what we're looking at with the roster. Let's start with the guy I'm most excited about in this class, Amani Hansberry. Uh, 24-7 sports as him as top 60s, top 75 in the composite. Uh, but Coleman Hawkins will get into, don't know if he'll be here for, for another year. We know Matthew Meyer won't be here for another year. So when you have Dane Danger, Luke Goody in your front court, Ty Rogers, Amani Hansberry, how does he fit into that? What do you think about him as a prospect? Yeah, with Amani, it was – that's what's the beauty of being able to watch AU games now without having to be there. I was able to catch a few of his games this summer and, you know, look, he, he reminds you a lot of, and I know this is, you made me aware that this has been a recycled comparison, but he does remind me a lot of Bonzi Colson from Notre Dame. And for those that don't remember Bonzi Colson, he helped Notre Dame win a lot of games. Uh, he was about, he was 6'5", 6'6". Almani's a little bit taller than that, but still is able to use his length in ways that, uh, is great on the glass, is great defensively, he's great in short roll, uh, he's not a bad passer, He, you know, he's good out to 17 feet, can step out a little bit, but look, you can put him in different spots, and, uh, you know, he's one of those guys, like I mentioned, that fits what you're currently doing, and you can integrate him pretty seamlessly, uh, so I think he's he's a huge pickup, and he's just one of those guys in watching him this summer that you're like, whoa, there's a couple of those moments where the way he uses his length, uh, the way he can even kind of get out on a fast break as well. And the same thing with, with Perrin. It's These aren't guys that are going to throw ankle weights on your fast break. So you love that, and then you love to see what, what he can do defensively as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they have a Coleman piece, right, uh, in, in the future, but, like, how does – how does Monty Hansberry fit with Ty Rogers, Dane Danger? I mean, that's your front court, right? Like that, that would feel like it's the, the biggest part of your front court along with Goody. Yeah. I think there's some similarities between him and, and Coleman in ways. Uh, Coleman's a better shooter. Coleman's going to space the floor a little bit more. Um, you know, Coleman's probably a better perimeter defender. That's why they can yeah. do what they do switching one through five. But I do think that Amani's length allows him to do those things as well. So it's not. I don't think with him, it's going to be one of those situations like with Dane right now, where it's hey, he's in the game, we're going to drop. Like yeah. he can't switch one through five. I think you're going to be able to still be able to switch one through five if Amani's at the five, or even if he's at the four, and you have somebody else at the five, Perrine at the five, you know, whatever it may be, you can still do those things. So those are going to be kind of the similarities and the overlap, but it is going to be a little bit different. Maybe offensively, you're not going to have him initiating offense like Coleman is. Um, but that still remains to be seen. There's guys that come in that you, you peg a certain way and the way they evolve, the way they develop, those things change. And I, I'll go back to Bonzi Colson. You know, he's a guy that took seven three-pointers his freshman year and his junior and senior year, he took 58 and 60. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, just developing and he seems to kind of have that motor and, and have that desire to develop. And I think that's almost equally as important. Dre Gibbs Lawhorn, man. I mean, you talk about a, a lead guard, you know, just pipeline that, that Illinois has built. And I, I've said it over and over again. There was a decade there where it wasn't that good uh, of lead guards at Illinois. And now you have Jaden Epps uh, and, and Sky Clark right now as young guys, Sincere Harris, more of the off guard here. But yeah, Dre Gibbs Lawhorn into that mix, Mike. How, how does he fit? How is he different than those guys? How can he play alongside those guys? Yeah, he fits the bill again, just what they're trying to accomplish. Speed, 
you know, pace, space. Uh, he's a capable shooter. He's good in ball screens. And I think even more importantly on the offensive end, he's a guy that you don't, he doesn't have to be ball dominant to have an impact. I think the more guys you can have at that position at the, in that backcourt that are interchangeable, that, you know, are worth a damn off the ball. Uh, you know, you can do a lot, you can do a lot more things that way. And then defensively, he seems to be a guy that takes that end, um, you know, and values that end. And that's, you know, with Brad Underwood, mm-hmm. like you're going to need, you're going to, it is uh, of importance to you to, to, um, you know, to value that side of the ball. So I think he does those things. And, you know, we saw even, even previously, I, I believe he played with Jeremy Fears as well. So he's, you know, been able to to coexist with other guys that get, can be ball dominant at times. So um, again, a guy that, you know, I think Matt Painter recruits really good players and when you get a guy that was recruited by Matt Painter and um, able to bring him over to to Champaign, I think that's a positive. Zachary Perrain, uh, it's going to be interesting. Second time he's signed, of course. I think the hope is he he joins, and we'll, we'll hear from Brad in about an hour uh, after us recording this. I would imagine they try to get him mid-semester. Don't think he'll make an impact on this year. I think he's going to have to, to, to you know develop here. Um mm-hmm. Obviously, more of the the project big, but a talented more project big than early uh, in the Brad Underwood tenure. So, what do you think of his addition uh, and, and what his impact could be? Uh, is one of the taller guys and, and skilled guys on the team? Yeah, you mentioned the skilled part. I think he's a great combination of raw and skilled. Yeah. And I I say raw because I do think that he's just scratching the surface of who he can be. And he's he's played at a high level internationally. He's played for the national team. He's he's, he's done all that. So I don't think him coming in that he's going to be this wide-eyed kid that's scared in Big Ten play. And um, he's played with Indiana. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I so he's he's had eyes on him. Yeah, is a big part of that. So I, I think he's able to come in and again fit that bill. Uh, he's he's probably a little bit more like Coleman, yeah. where he can step out and shoot it. He's great on the break. I mean, there's a couple times you see in transition he's throwing lobs to his teammates. He can do those things. And he's extremely skilled and again good out of the short roll skip passes um you know he had he had a play where he's you know rolling hard out of a screen and simultaneously catches the ball into a spin move and dunk and those are just certain things that man it's it's hard to get with high school kids right and i think there's a lot of stuff that translates as well for him so you, you start to see a theme where you know if they are a big they're a skilled big and they can do things other than hey throw it in back to the basket hook shot over the left shoulder or right shoulder, I guess, in Perrine's case. Um, so I like it. All three of these pickups, man, they, they fit with this Illinois team and this program, you know, they're looking to do. All right. I uh, just want to throw this out there one last time before we get to the EIU game next year's roster. And this is before the transfer portal. I assume Coleman goes pro, but if Coleman came back with another year of eligibility, they would have, even if Coleman doesn't, because he's not a former four star, Danger, Goody, Melendez, Harris, Epps, Rogers, Clark, Perrine, well, not Perrine, but Hansbury, Lawhorn. Is that nine four star prospects? Like, that's becoming a thing. Like, they, they have so many four star, top 100, top 110, whatever you want to say. Keep stacking that, man. That's what Ohio State's doing right now. I think they're recruiting at a really high level. Michigan State had one of the best recruiting classes in the country. Uh, but stay atop the Big Ten. This is the type of talent you need to keep stacking over and over again. Yeah, and getting the talent's important, but like we talked about, 
getting talent that fits what you're doing that's you know that's that's equally as important so yeah. they've been able to do both of that so you know not bringing in guys that like I said you got to reinvent the wheel or you got to figure things out and granted you know Kofi comes in yeah. you have to build things around him and it won you a few championships as well so uh, I think this staff's shown an ability to not play one way but I do think you want to see continuity over the years and and they've certainly addressed that and they've identified these guys coming in as guys that can fit that bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Mike, let's talk about what we saw in an actual basketball game for real life. 87-57 over Eastern Illinois. Two great performances from Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon, but I got to see you at the game. You were live at State Farm Center, and it was my first opportunity to see these guys in person uh, play a game, and you said something to me that really stuck out, and you said seeing them in person was different. Why? It's just kind of jarring, and I think I mentioned that in the post-game radio. It's jarring seeing that type of athleticism, and and mixing that with the effort. When you when you bundle that together, there's just so many moments in that game where you're, like, who are these guys, man? <laughs> this is I, seriously, it's it's such a good collection of players that that seem to play well together, communicate well. They all seem bought in and there's a ton that you can build on uh, from this game alone. And it wasn't perfect by any means. There were some defensive miscues. There were some offensive miscues, uh, which is expected in in an opener. But my biggest takeaway personally was just the sustained effort throughout the game that they had. I think uh, that's how you wear those types of teams down. And I thought they just, every guy that came in played with this controlled desperation in a way. And like I said, I mean, you play against a team like Eastern Illinois, there's a couple things you need to do. You need to kick butt on the glass. You need to force tough twos. Uh, you know, and you need to overwhelm them physically. And I thought they did all three of those things. Yeah, Mike, there's certain times like a, a team would come to, to State Farm Center and you're like, oh, they look different. Like mm-hmm. they, they just look like, you know, the Michigan State team with Bridges and, and Jaron Jackson. I'm not saying Illinois has two lottery picks, but they're starting to look more like that. Or the Houston team I, I saw uh, in person. It, was, it just looks a little bit different. And they certainly played a lot different. The the, the pressure uh, was certainly a lot different. The switching, which we'll dive into on our film room today, was certainly different. Um, offensively, it was spread out more. But I, the defensive stuff, I thought, was even a, a bigger change than the offensive stuff. It's impressive how early on we are in this. And watching the film, and we'll break that down, these guys are in lockstep. And there's so much more that they can improve on, which I think is what's equally as scary, is they have such a good foundation right now. And a lot of that starts with the returners, and it's Coleman, and it's uh, guys that are returning to college basketball, like Terrence Shannon and Matthew Meyer. They just seamlessly, the way they talk, the way they point, you can see it permeate a little bit to these freshmen. And you see them talking, them pointing, them communicating. And in that game, when they got in the half court, when they didn't turn it over offensively and when they didn't get beat in their press, 
when you had to face this Illinois defense, just straight up mano y mano, it's it's tough, man. There were not a lot of easy looks that were generated for Eastern Illinois. So we'll we'll dive into the nuts and bolts of what needs to improve. And like I said, that's expected this early on. But I, they are ahead of where I thought they would be defensively. I thought it would be a little clunky at first, but you get enough guys on the floor that have done it. Terrence Shannon's done it. Matthew Myers done it. And then you bring just you bring these other guys along because uh, it creates this environment where you don't want to be the guy sticking out like a sore thumb defensively or having letdowns when you're in the game. And I think that just raises everybody's level of play. So I'm excited to see them continue to build on that. Um, it's, it's, it's unlike, it's unlike what we've seen over the years. Yeah. It just is. And I do think when you bring Dane in the game, there's still another wrinkle that you can throw at them with getting in drop coverage and Dane's a little longer than Kofi. So I'm excited to see him continue to utilize that and, and be a threat, but a lot to like for sure on that end. Yeah. They can recover so easily, right? Like if they get beat, um, you know, there was a few things I didn't like defensively. We'll, we'll dive into one of those things here coming up. But, you know, R.J. Melendez, three blocks in that game. He didn't have a good offensive game, but he, he made an impact there. Was that what you were impressed most with? Was I mean, you brought up the effort, Mike. Um, for a very talented team, like, if they give that effort, they're going to have a chance every night, right? Like, that, that's, that's, that's what was really good to see in that game. Yeah, it's scary because when you look at – there's been teams in the Big Ten before that you say, hey, they maybe have the top five or six most talented guys yeah. in terms of your top five or six, your top to bottom, arguably more talented than any team in the Big Ten. Now when you couple that with guys that play like their pants are on fire and truly look bought in or truly communicating, that's scary, man. Mm-hmm. That's And those are some teams that you see making some runs in the postseason because it, it raises your floor um, – but you mentioned RJ and look, the, he had one point in that game. And I thought he made such a good impact. Although he got yanked, uh, and we'll get into that in the film, he made some other plays that were just outstanding. He had a, he had a block after Coleman got beat on a back door, and it's only made possible by him, by him seeing his man and seeing the ball. That's another element that they got to work on is when you're doing all this pointing and talking and switching. I, mi- I mentioned it on the previous podcast, you got to see where the ball is at. And to your, you know, for what you just said, we talk about the recovery. That's part of the reason I mentioned it on the, on the previous podcast, maybe even on the previous podcast. And I guarantee you, it's not the last time I mentioned it this year. So take a sip every time I do. Uh, it's the, it's just the recovery, and it's it's having athletes and having guys that if their anticipation is solid, if they're tuned into what's going on defensively, then when you have those defensive breakdowns and miscues, it just doesn't hurt you as much. Yeah. Because, you know, there was a there was a three, maybe like a minute and a half stretch where you kind of saw two plays that you hadn't seen in years at Illinois. And it was Sincere Harris pointing, talking, rotate quickly to pin a guy on the glass at the guard spot. Mm-hmm. And then a couple plays later, you get like a DK Metcalf chase down <laughs> from Terrence Shannon. And we'll show that on the film. I mean, he had to make up about 17 feet uh, or 17 feet of ground where he had to cover and long stride and get up and, and wipe it. Like that is, that's such an asset. And beyond just the aesthetic, right? Where you go, whoa, this is, this looks great. It looks yeah. cool. Like, it, it's a big deal because if those are momentum shifting plays 
that you can make throughout the course of a game that can get the crowd into it, that can quiet a crowd. I mean, that's that's the element that I think is kind of overlooked is this the athleticism. It's it's it you know it crushes your soul. Yes, if you're, if you're the other team. I, I wanted to bring this up, and it's nothing against these guys, but there's a huge difference when you get beat off the dribble at the top of the key and you're Alfonso Plummer or Trent Frazier. Trent Frazier, unbelievable defender, right? But if he gets beat off the drill, he's not going to be able to really recover all that much, right? But like R.J. Melendez or Terrence Shannon or Coleman Coleman or Sincere Harris, they got a shot, right? It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to score. The rim protection doesn't have to just be from a big that you plant in the the paint. If anything... This it's going to make it seem like there are more driving lanes, and you're going to be able to you're going to be able to contest more at the rim. And yeah, you're right. And I think there's a lot that goes into switching one through five. One is I look at when Sky Clark's in the game, and they did such a good job of this. Of hey, Sky switches onto a big, and he can hold his own down there. And he swam around one time, was able to steal the ball. But Coleman talking, Matt Meyer talking, bumping him back out. If he if he rolls in and they're on the weak side, hey, point talk, hey, kick out onto my guy, I'll take the big. And I do think that when you're able to switch one through five, there's there's gonna be a you know, there's gonna be a period in time, and I'll I'll stop it on the film where you see that the other four guys that aren't guarding the ball are literally not looking at the ball. Mm-hmm. Everything is point, you take here, you take up top, I'll take this slip. And what that tells me is that they trust their isolation defenders. Because if you don't trust your isolation defenders, you don't want to be put in, in those types of situations. Yeah. So I think they did a great job of not only being able to talk and communicate off the ball, but hold their own on the ball. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you get blown by and there's, 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 you know, sincere Harris and everybody coming to block the shots. That's not always going to happen, but having the you know having that as a possibility is is a luxury. It's got, it's kind of like what Ryan Walters does, man to man coverage. Your eyes not always on the ball, but if you got guys who are good individually, then you can do it well. While drop is more like a zone, right? Like yep. a zone where you all got eyes on the ball. All right, let's break into some of these individual performances. Um, I I don't want to overreact to one game with Coleman Hawkins and his draft stock, but his draft stock's already high, right? Like it's it's already potentially a draft pick. That was a good start. Like he's showing he can hit threes. But the thing that's impressing me the most, Mike, is let's be honest, like last year there were some maturity things as a sophomore. And then his comments in April, there's been a maturity about his game and a steadiness about him, whether it's the exhibition or this game or just what he's been saying in the offseason. Um I, I've been really impressed with his approach and you know, to start like that, to show you can shoot like that, it's only going to open up more things for him offensively. But even some of the little things he was doing, his passing was great. Um, I thought his defense was good. But what, what stood out to you about Coleman? Yeah, it's easy in the years prior to try to convince yourself that you're that player that you think you are. There's just so many other circumstances. you got Kofi in there. You're, you have somewhat of a short leash. you got to kind of be perfect when you're in there. And I think there's just a different type of, like I said, psychology – to knowing that you're a guy and you're not going to get taken off for every little mistake. So that comfortability, I think, has not only made him more confident shooting the ball and around the rim, but just he looks more fluid athletically. He moves differently. And you see a couple times where he takes those threes, he's pulling the string. That The third three that he had from the left wing, the, I think it was a kick ahead on the uh, in transition where he just caught it and pulled it. Like the second he shot it, yeah, he pulls the string I'm sitting there I'm like, that's in. Like it's 
and and a guy like that who has that confidence and I think still has a humility about him mm-hmm. because he's still willing to to do those little things and he gets right back onto the defensive end and he's talking he's pointing and emergency switching and still dialed in and man his draft stock like you said was already in that second round range and now if you once you couple him him still doing the things that made him that draft prospect and now adding this element where he you know if he if he go if he sniffs 40 percent from three this cool. year first round i mean he's, he's gonna be able to hear his name in the first round yeah and you know, I think it's it's being able to. Which how about that? that after two all, after two All Americans to have him be the the three star prospect to to be the first rounder. That'd be a, be a hell of a thing for Coleman. Be a hell of a thing for Brad Underwood too, right? Because Coleman had to face adversity, right? Some kids in his situation would have transferred. So to have a guy who commits himself to the process, buys into all this, gets through it, uh, that'd be a hell of a development story for Brad Underwood as well. And, and kudos to Coleman for all that too. Yeah, most kids are gone yeah. in his in his situation. I think you always could see with him that you'd go, this is a little different. Yeah. You know, he he just the, the body type, even just mechanically, that's what we talked about with DeMonte, right? It was always some a, a mind thing with him where when his mind was right, he wasn't missing. Because everything was there mechanically. He didn't have to fight this uphill battle with herky jerky hitches in his shot. Coleman's the same thing. Coleman missed shots his freshman and sophomore year, but it it looked good. Yeah. I think the other thing that I'll mention too, just from a mechanical standpoint, is he looks to have a little more lift on his shot than he did previously. I think his first two years were a little flat. Yeah. And I thought I thought the other night you could see that he's getting a little more arc on his shot. And and anyone knows you get a little more arc on your shot, you at least give it a chance. You may, short misses are you don't have a chance to to make those. So I thought I noticed that a little bit, and I think that's going to be important for him because uh, he hit a few of those with range as well. Uh, yeah. The one he obviously stepped into and dribbled off his foot and made it, but the pick and pop with Sky on the right wing, he stepped back to, to 25 feet, 24, 25 feet on that as well. So that type of development, it's just going to, it's going to extend that defense more. And he's going to be able to get by guys a little more, but also it's going to, bring them up so high that these other guys, the Terrence Shannons, the Matthew Myers, the Sky Clarks, Ty Rogers, they're going to have better driving lanes because it's not just, Hey, stay home. If they kick out to Coleman long closeout, if he takes it great, they're going to want to start to honor that even more. All right. I am going to overreact to one thing though. I don't know what these freshman guards in the big 10 are going to look like. Jaden hood or Jalen hood, Shafino, Jet Howard was looked really good early on. Terrence Shannon's the best guard in the big 10. He is like my. I, I've seen enough. I, I've seen enough already to call it. Um, he's he looks like a league guard, and and for kudos to Brad Underwood for thinking we see it at Texas Tech. He's not the league guard. He's kind of more a three and D guy. Man, they see here he can be a league guard. And I know the competition's going to ramp up. The handle he's going to have to to really tighten up. But that looks pretty good, Mike. And he doesn't force anything. No, I think that's he'll. You know he'll uh, he'll be assertive. I think there's a difference between being assertive and enforcing the issue. I think his assertiveness stems from putting constant pressure on you downhill, creating these collisions. He's a confrontational driver, and you'll end up on the free throw line. We talked about before the season. He should be a seven or eight free throw a game type of guy. I didn't expect 15 on night one, but he's going to have games like that. 
because the way that they push it in transition, and this is the one thing that I'll mention is for the team as a whole, don't look at fast break points and think that that's just the all-encompassing for this transition offense. They had five fast break points in that game. And you could say, oh, well, they had five fast break points. They should be able to get on the break more. And they did. They just generated 20 free throws. <laughs> so there's there's a difference. That's always going to be a misnomer throughout the season. So I caution anybody that looks at the fast break points as whether or not they got out and transition and pushed the ball. And, and Terrence is the biggest beneficiary of that. His, his strides and he puts you, it's almost like a James Harden where he can drag the ball out. You're hitting his arm and he doesn't get off balance. He can go through you. And I think the best part about all of it is he's a good three, he's a good free oh, throw shooter. Yeah. Right. And that's going to be ever important on this team. Cause I think you have a couple guys that are going to struggle from the line this year. So having a guy where as opposed to last year and the previous years where Kofi's shooting the most free throws on your team at a 58% clip at a 61% clip. Now the guy that's shooting most free throws on your team is going to do it at a 80%, 80% plus clip. And that's, that's a big deal. So I was, I was impressed, man. He played so within himself. He was a little bit sped up in the exhibition game. I thought he was a little more controlled and, uh, but still just coming at you constantly. And, you know, if you're watching around the Big Ten, I've watched virtually every Big Ten team so far in the in the game or a couple games that they've played. Not a lot of dudes that look like him, man. Uh, you and I mentioned before the game, like Eastern Illinois has got some size. Uh, Jermaine Hamlin, Kyle Thomas, like they got some size to him. Um, so, but how, how legit was was the double double for Dane Danger off the bench? Seventeen points, ten rebounds, a lot of that in the second half. What are you buying in from that, or what what are you taking away from that? Yeah, I don't think he's like a second rounder now. <laughs> I, I think he he did what he was supposed to do. And sometimes it's not about, hey, getting a guy that can go out and get you 17 and 10. It's, hey, can you give effort that can, you know, your 17 and 10 is a byproduct of your effort. And that was his effort on the glass. He was confident with the moves that he made. He got, got to his spots. He didn't hold the ball. He didn't let the defense collapse. And I just loved his activity and his motor and, that's how Dane Danger is going to have success this year. It's not always going to show up in the box score. It's not always going to be 17 and 10 or 12 and 7. For him to be a, a serviceable backup big for this team, those are the things that he needs to do. And it's going to show itself in different ways. But I was impressed with him. And look, that's not to say that you could extrapolate this into him being on the all freshman team. I don't even know if he's eligible for that. Would he technically no, be eligible? He's for a that? redshirt sophomore, technically. So. Okay. So. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know if it was like a Blake Griffin situation where you know, he gets the rookie status. But, look, I don't think you can extrapolate this into, hey, expecting this from him every night. But if you're that coaching staff, you can expect that effort every night, and you can hold him to that. And I think that's how you maximize Dane Danger's capabilities and his potential is by staying on him about the effort part. You're going to have peaks and valleys with your production just because there's a lot of good players on this team. Right? I, I mean, there aren't going to be nights where R.J. Melendez has one point and Ty Rogers has one point and Matthew Meyer struggles. You know, those guys are going to pick it up. And when they do, like, we still need you to be who you are. Yeah. And that's motor and that's being an ass kicker on the glass. All right, I think the the surprise of the first two performances probably is is the most overlooked freshman in this class becoming a fan favorite already. Sincere Harris, man. Like, I get it, the comparison look-wise to, to Trent Frazier because he's got the hair, he's got the number one, he's got the, the headband. 
he is so long. Like that that's one of the most Im- things I've saw live. You know, you see him up close. He's just so long. His arms are, are down to his knees, just standing up. Like, and then you pair that effort and the tenacity to go along with that athleticism. Like, what do you, what can he do for this team right away? He's so valuable at, as that seventh, eighth, ninth man because I think he, he's an asset because in certain games where maybe you start sluggish, you, you don't start with a lot of life, you know for sure you got, and I'll throw Ty Rogers in there too. You got some guys you can throw in there that'll inject some life into you. And, and I think Sincere, I just love the way that they're using him. I think you got to give the staff a lot of credit. What's the point? of having a sincere Harris if you don't let him pick up you know full court if you don't let him kind of be a free safety in passing lanes and play to his strengths and I'll even take that step what's the point of having a Coleman Hawkins if you don't play five out and utilize those strengths and what's so, the point of having Jaden Ivey if you don't run ball screens it's <laughs> kind of it's tough but it's true but it's true like I think there's something to be said about not being stubborn as a coach yes. where it's like hey no, you got to play the way we play. Mm-hmm. And granted, there's a lot of principles that they have to buy into. But I think each one of these guys, I don't think is being limited or, man, you're really putting him in a box. Like, what's the point of having Ty Rogers if you're not going to let him handle it? You, you know, you talk all the time about how skilled he is with the ball. You see it in high school. And there's guys that go into situations where you're not trusted as a freshman. And I, I, this staff has trusted these guys immediately. And that should give these guys confidence because you are a couple injuries away, a couple, you know, whatever it may be, foul trouble away from really counting on these guys. So this is the time to continue to build that confidence because we're going to need you yeah. in big moments. And Sincere is just, he's everywhere. It's the second game in a row. He's had some flying in one-handed tip in and the block from the weak side. He almost took Hamlin's soul on the, <laughs> on the dunk. And that type of stuff, there's a reason why those types of guys become fan favorites and it's not because of the production it's what it's why Trent Frazier was a fan favorite his that, effort man as a player is that tell he cares as a fans play, care and they care about the players that care is a player like as a teammate is that stuff infectious yeah yeah, yeah I mean it's, it's, it's hard because a lot of people and I said I mentioned this earlier in the podcast you don't want to be the guy that's not into it showing emotion when you have guys that are surrounding you they're doing those things you don't want to be the guy that sticks out as not doing that. You don't want to be the guy not getting on the floor. A, a lot of stuff we don't want to mention it, but paranoia, like or fear, like you do stuff out of fear and paranoia. And I think any you, when you have guys like that to play with that type of emotion and chip, it's so infectious, man. Yeah, I saw R.J. Melendez diving for a ball. I thought that was great. See a guy who could be a star, right? Like doing that. That's that's what you want to see if you're, you're Brad Underwood. Uh, anything else stick out about the freshman? Ty Rogers, eight rebounds, five assists. Sky and Jaden Epps didn't force a lot uh, offensively. Didn't need to do a lot. But uh, what stood out about the freshman otherwise? I thought Ty Rogers' floor game was outstanding. I know he had one point. He struggled from the free throw line. But you look up and he has. he makes another great play and – He's so patient. He's not. I thought he was sped up in game one. He still had a little bit of that in this game, but I, I did think that when he is in ball screens, it's not just we have a guy that can handle the ball and we're going to go set ball screens for. Like, he's good in ball screens. He has pace. He reads it. He attack. Knows when to attack. Knows when to throw the skip. Knows when to hit the roll. Knows when to hit the pop. Yeah, that bounce I mean, pass to danger, like that wraparound, oh, was gorgeous. And he just does it with such ferocity too. Like there's just a ferocity to his game. 
that is another is an, it's another guy that does those infectious things and sky i thought struggled i, I thought he, he struggled to get into a rhythm with the foul trouble early and then i thought when he did come into the game he pressed a little bit he got a couple offensive fouls and a couple of those fouls that he did get were trying to take charges so you at least like that that aspect of it um but again these these freshmen just can continue to develop i like epps epps has just been solid mm-hmm. you know he hasn't he hasn't forced a ton He's he's taking care of it. He had that great finish in the first half, and um, those are certain things that you that you look for, right? I, I mentioned building confidence for these guys because you're gonna you're gonna need them in big ways as you not only hit the rest of this non-conference slate, but heading into conference. All right, Mike. Let's let's bring up a couple concerns maybe um, from from this game. Matthew Meyer, right? I, I mean, I think it's it's fair. We had an exhibition, a scrimmage that we heard he didn't play all that well. And now the first game didn't play all that well. Um, but more importantly than maybe missing shots, like he had a couple tap-ins that, that didn't go in, and he's clearly frustrated from that. Didn't know the body language. More importantly, the, the defense was, was bad. I mean, it, it wasn't good. You know, he got taken off the bounce a couple times. I know he's he's been later to the acclimation process, but he's been here a few months now. Like, What do you want to see from Matthew Meyer in these next two games before you go to Vegas? Because you need him. I think he's going to help you win some games here, of course. I'm not trying to sound an alarm, but we at least have a small sample size, and it hasn't been as encouraging as a top-20 transfer. Yeah, you can see him second-guessing things yeah. a little bit. Offensively, he's he's pressing a little bit. And look, for some of those guys, you just need to see the ball go in. Yeah, And that's kind of the end of the story. Now, on the defensive end, he got caught flat-footed a couple times. He got beat really was what led to him being yanked in the second half gets beat off the dribble and in the first half he anticipates a switch and gets rejected you know the guy rejected the ball screen dribble baseline and and that's where um i believe that's either the play where sincere came over and was able to to pin it on the glass but i think when he starts to settle in and look this always happens Mm -hmm. terrence looks like he's hitting on all cylinders coleman looks like he's hitting on all cylinders there's always usually one guy that is still trying to figure out who he is within this ecosystem and uh, what his role is going to be. And I, I think you're going to need to count on him big time. And I think he's going to show up in big moments. He's he's done it before. This isn't like a freshman that is just deer in the headlights. I think he, he's been very demonstrative. You can see he, he wears his emotion. I just think he needs to channel that in, in different ways. I think he can channel that into – the communication aspect defensively, which he does. Uh, but, you know, all the emotion that you show after you miss a shot and the clap and the, you know, he's clearly frustrated with himself. This isn't like an apathy thing. This yeah. is, you know, he cares. I know he cares. And I think he's he cares so much that he's in his head a little bit right now. And I think he'll continue to improve on that. He'll settle in. And I think it's good that he's he's having these issues early. Because yeah. I think if he can rectify it in these, in these coming games, he, he'd be a guy that wouldn't surprise me if he has 18 points against UMKC, against UMKC on Friday night. Sure. And then it, sometimes that's all it takes, and you're snapped out of it, and you feel a little bit more confident offensively and defensively. You just don't want it to be a, a theme with him where when he is struggling offensively, he's also struggling defensively, mm-hmm. and it's just tied. Or he's unbelievable defensively because his shots are going in on the other end. So he's mature enough. He's old enough to know that you can't tie those two things together. And it's a learning process, and I think he's – He'll, uh, he'll hit his stride here for sure. The other thing, like the turnovers, I expected this team to turn it over a little bit, especially early. Um, is this a good shooting team? Like, is this going to be a decent shooting team? 
I mean, free throws, Dane and and Ty, I'm not surprised struggling, but you know, Coleman had it five of six in the first half for this team to, to shoot 34% for, from three. I expect RJ to hit some of those, but is this a, is this going to be a, a decent shooting team, Mike? I would expect them to be in that 36% type range. Uh, I think they have capable enough shooters, especially when you bring Luke Goody back. Yeah. Depending on how he gets acclimated back into it, he should give you a slight bump there. But RJ's RJ can shoot it. We know that. Coleman, if he continues to take these strides, I mean, I don't know if he'll go five for eight every game. Right. But Terrence has been a proven shooter. Matthew Meyer has been a proven shooter. So I, they have it for sure. And Sky's been solid in the limited attempts that he's had. So yeah, I think it's it's a big win if they can be a 38 oh, yeah. type percent three-point shooting team. But I expect them to be in that 35 to 36% range. But they make up for another in other aspects, right? If they don't shoot it well from three, they're at least getting to the free throw line. And uh, but that's the other thing, right? You know, beyond just the three-point shooting, you want them to convert on free throws. And 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 I get it. I think everybody can sit there like, why you need to practice free throws more. That's not how that works. It's it's a mind thing, man. And I'll I'll tell the story. I remember years ago, might have been like 2010 or or maybe 2012 when Dwight Howard went to the Lakers. And I remember these reporters were going into practice and on, on the board, they had everybody's running tally of free throws made in practice. And we remember Dwight Howard was not a good free throw shooter. That's that was well documented. But if you went and looked on the board, they had taken about a thousand free throws at that point in the season, and he had made eight hundred and eighty, just eighty-eight percent. Dwight Howard. So, guys are capable of it. It's just getting over the mental hurdle of, you know, I remember like when I would play or you know shooters that I've been around. It's when the second you get fouled, if you have a little bit of ah, like I gotta go shoot these free throws. Mm-hmm. I hope I make one out of two. I hope I make two out of two. You're screwed. Like, it's got to be, you get fouled, man, that's two points. Like, you messed up. You you reached, now nah, we're in the bonus, you just gave us two points. Like, that has to be the mentality. And it's it's easier said than done, but the more you convince yourself of that, it's funny how your mind works. Yeah. Right? If you talk about, like... That's why sports psychologists get paid money, right? <laughs> exactly. And we had, I, I remember I talked to a sports psychologist one time that's, if you even if you talk to yourself and say I'm not going to miss these, all your brain hears is miss. So you got to start talking the positive stuff into it. I'm I'm making both of these. This is two points. Like that's how you have to think. And I think these guys will come along. Ty, you know, he's got a little bit of a hitch. It's a little flat, and he'll settle in. And I think just like shooting from the outside, it's the more you see a few go in, the more confident you'll be, and that stuff will will take care of itself. But luckily, they do so many things in so many different areas where that shouldn't bog them down completely. All right. Take me in. How is Michael Tua watching UMKC? Like, what are you looking for? Yeah, look, this is a UMKC team that lost to Lincoln by three and, and turned the ball over 22 times against Lincoln. And they have a test tonight against LSU and you'll see LSU got some athletes. I'm sure they'll pick up if, if it's anything like Murray state with McMahon coming down there, they should show some pressure. I'd expect them to show some pressure. So this Illinois team should get some good film on what to do against UMKC. But I think you don't you don't change what you're doing because it's UMKC. You do exactly what you did against Eastern Illinois. How can we overwhelm them defensively? How can we put certain guys in actions to get downhill? You saw an ATO in the game where they wanted to get Ty Rogers, you know, 
ripping with his right hand downhill. They bring a horn set. They lift the guys. Dane Danger goes over ball side, past tie. Jay Neps passes it, goes ball side, and you clear it out. And you get basically a two-on-two on the right side of the floor with Ty ripping with his right hand. Those little things, you don't have to get super complex. And that's another luxury of this team is no matter who you roll in there, you like your matchup physically. Even when you get the Big Ten play, you like your matchup physically. And that allows you to not have to have so many complex sets or not as many sets to where they can scout for you. You, you can't scout for randomness. Like you just you just can't. And that's part of what that five out is. It's just, hey, how disciplined are you going to be? And I think they should be able to, to to put it on you, MKC. If they do what they did Monday night, they should they shouldn't have an issue with that team. Yeah, I think Coleman calls it structured randomness, Mike. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. That's what it is. It, right? That's what it, and, and it's it's what made Dayton so good a few years back with Obi Toppin. They they brought Obi Toppin, put him at the five, and it's just it's inventiveness. Like you're you're inventing stuff on possessions and it's hard to guard that because you don't you can prep for it you can say hey this is what the scout team is just running five out motion but if you don't have the guys you can't replicate it so it's it's going to be jarring and it's going to be a, a shell shock for a lot of these teams that have to guard it so that's i'd say that's a that's a luxury to have man two games in a week away from heading out to vegas uh for two big, big tests. tests but they got two more michael tulip will talk about those two coming games uh next week we got a film room coming up so if you want more michael tulip you can check it out at alignaenquire.com mike thanks as always for the time man appreciate you and again if you want more michael tulip you can get him on the vip film room breaks down illinois defense the switching all of that Fantastic stuff. I learn something new from Mike every week. I learn something new from Jay Lehman every week. Uh, so go check that out at IlliniInquire.com as we post it later this week. And if you're not a VIP member, it's just $1 uh, for your first month. And you can try it for a month, see if you like it. But I can promise you the film rooms with Jay Lehman and Michael Tulip are way worth the price of admission alone. Oh, and then you get Derek Piper breaking down all these prospects. Joey Wagner with his writing, me on football, all those stuff. Uh, so $1 for your first month a VIP membership at Illini Enquirer. Check us out there. Thank you for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to us. Hit the like button. Helps us out there. We've been uh, enjoying all the you know, feedback on, on the YouTube, all the support out there. And uh, we do the live podcast on there as well. So that's always a lot of fun to get interaction with you guys right after these games happen. All right, everybody, take care of each other. Have a great day. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.